Hold your Bible up. Let's say it out loud together. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all God has destined me to be. Amen. As we remain standing and go to First Chronicles chapter number 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 9. The Bible says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Today, as we continue in our series, Famous Prayers of the Bible, or Great Prayers of the Bible, I want to minister to you from the subject, Turned on a prayer. Many times we can look at our lives and we can say our life turned on that particular thing. Our life turned on that tragedy. Our life turned on that bad decision. Our life turned on that poor relationship. Our life turned on that circumstance. But very rarely do we realize that our lives can turn for the better on a prayer. Turned on a prayer. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the leading and anointing of the Holy Spirit as we preach and teach the word of God. May it touch every person's heart who hears it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, you may be seated. Up until about 20 years ago, whenever you would mention the name Jabez, people would look at you like you had four heads. Nobody knew who this man Jabez was. Matter of fact, if you asked me 20 years ago, pastor, old man of great Bible knowledge, do you know who Jabez is? I would have said, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's in the Bible, pastor. No, it's not in the Bible. I've never seen the name Jabez in the Bible. But sure enough, the name Jabez is in the Bible. It's kind of tucked away, if you will, in this obscure place in the Bible, in the book of First Chronicles, which is a book that uh, nobody really reads that much and amidst nine straight chapters of genealogies and 500 different names that you and I cannot pronounce or have little chance of pronouncing correctly, but 44 names into chapter number four of First Chronicles, a prayer jumps off of the page in much the same way that when we're channel surfing, something catches our eye. And the reason why this short prayer is significant is because it shows us that no matter how bad your life has been or what direction your life is currently going in or what challenges you are now facing, your life can change or turn on a prayer. Jabez prays a prayer that revolutionizes his life, that turns his life in a completely different direction than the way that his life was supposed to go or the way that his life was going. And the next name Jabez tells it all. It means pain. In Bible times, male children were named at the circumcision ceremony on the eighth day, and the name selected often matched an experience that the mother or the parents were going through at the time of the child's birth. Evidently, the circumstances surrounding Jabez's birth were extremely difficult for this mom. 
We don't know because the Bible never tells us what she was going through. Maybe he was born breech. Maybe the father ran off. Maybe he was illegitimate. Maybe they had no home. Maybe they couldn't afford to have a child. Maybe the man was an abuser and now there was a baby that forever tied this woman to that hurt. We don't know what the particular hurt or pain was, but evidently the pain was so extreme that this mother chose to name her child Jabez with which means pain. And pain didn't just describe the circumstances surrounding a child's birth, but they were also a declaration of the child's future. And so all throughout the Bible, you see how the name of an individual was a prophecy about their future. Jacob means grab up. And this proved to be a one-word biography of Jacob's Life. He tried to steal or grab his brother's birthright from him. Matter of fact, he did. Abraham means father of many nations. That's exactly what Abraham became. Joseph means dreamer, and that's exactly what brought Joseph to prominence. Solomon, Solomon means peace, which, and he was the first king of Israel ever to reign without there being a war. Names defined your future, and with a name like Jabez, which means causer of pain, Jabez's future didn't look bright. Knowing this, can you imagine a 21st century mom thumbing through a page of, you know, baby names and going, oh, that's it right there. That's it right there. We're naming our child Jabez, causer of pain. I mean, who in their right mind would actually do something like that? But that's what happened to Jabez. That's how bad the pain, that's how bad the circumstances of his life was. So every time Jabez's name was called, he, they were declaring his future. You'll be a causer of pain. The handwriting was on the wall. The die had been cast. Everyone expected when Jabez grew up, his life would amount to nothing but, but pain. And if the truth be told, Jabez probably expected this of himself because if you grow up in an environment where something is constantly reinforced over and over and over again, eventually it affects your mental state, and when it affects your mental state, you begin to believe that about yourself. Whatever the environment dictates oftentimes becomes the expectation that you have for your life. So imagine the the emotional torment, excuse me, that he lived with. What good am I? I'm a causer of pain. Nobody will want to marry me. I'm a causer of pain. Nobody wants to be my friend. I'll bring them pain. Nobody will hire me because their business will go down. Pain was his portion. That was the identity box that they had put him in, that life and circumstances had put him in, all because that was his name. But notice, Jabez prays a prayer that turns his entire life in completely the opposite direction, from constant pain to walking in God's promises, from a tragedy of existence to something that is a testimony, from a broken place to a blessed place, from sad to successful, from depressed to declaring the glory of God and all because he prayed a prayer his life 
turned on a prayer. And your life, that's the power of prayer. That's the impact that prayer can have. That's something as simple as a little prayer. This wasn't even a long prayer. This wasn't even a King James prayer. It didn't have these and thous in it. It wasn't trying to impress anybody. It wasn't, you know, hours and hours of prayer. It literally probably took him a minute or two to pray this prayer. But this short prayer was a significant turning point in his life. Your life can turn on a prayer. And so I want us to look at this prayer. I call these gems from Jabez. And I want us to see the kinds of prayers or the elements of prayer that can turn our life in completely the opposite direction of where it's going now to the direction that God has for us. Number one, people whose life turns on a prayer know that a blessed life begins with God. A blessed life begins with God. Notice verse number 10. It says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel. Because of his pain, he could have turned to a life of bitterness. A lot of times when people are hurt, that's what they do, right? They put up walls and, 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 and all of these things on the outside. Bitterness to cover what's happened or what they've gone through. He could have turned to a life of anger. He could have turned to a life of addiction. He could have turned to a life of crime. He could have turned to a life of abusing others. He could have turned to all sorts of things. It doesn't always have to be bad things. When people experience pain and hurt in life... They don't necessarily always turn to bad things. Sometimes they turn to all sorts of other things. They turn to to things that just kind of mass that pain and help them to deal with everything that is going on on the inside. Jabez could have turned to both good and bad things, but he could have turned to things that would have kept him away from the plan that God had for his life. But instead of turning to those bad things, the Bible says he turned to God. He called on the God of Israel. Now, a lot of times when we hear this phrase, to us, we don't capture exactly what it's saying because we think, you know, well, you know, of course he's the God of Israel. But that's not what this text means, what this phrase means. It is written very specifically. There's a reason why it says he called on the God of Israel. Israel was the name that God gave to Jacob when Jacob decided to take his pain to God. You remember the story, don't you? Jacob lived in the shadow of his brother Esau. Esau was the firstborn. As a result, he was the favored one. He was the one that would receive the, the, the fatherly blessing, which was a thing that was sought after, a double portion of his inheritance. Esau was the one who was expected to carry on the family name. And Jacob lived in the shadow of that sibling blessing, if you will, and it bothered him to the point where he stole his brother's birthright blessing. And then he lived the rest of his life you remember, on the run. Until one day, he decided to go and reconcile to his brother, and on his way back home, you remember this, right? Jacob Slatter, he met with God, and he wrestled with God all night, and he famously said to God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. In other words, he was saying, I tried blessing me, I didn't like the way that turned out. Have you ever tried to bless you? Have you ever tried to bless yourself? Come on, make something happen for you. Get it no matter what it costs, no matter how you had to get it, no matter what it took for you to get it. Manipulate the circumstances, change the circumstances, forget about the word of God, lie, cheat, steal. I know, don't look at me in that tone of voice. You're all saved and sanctified, and you would never try to bless you, right? 
But oftentimes I found out that when we try to bless ourselves, it leads to a heartache, it leads to a pain, it leads to an emptiness, and at the very least, it leads to a life apart from God, not living in constant fellowship with God. And Jacob, he said, you know what, I tried to bless myself, and I haven't liked the way that turned out. Even though I got the blessing of my father, I've had to live the rest of my life on the run. But I'm coming back to reconcile, and I know that if my life is going to go in the right direction, God. I'm not leaving here until you bless me. There is something different about the blessing of God. The scripture says the blessing of God makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. See, you can get your own blessing, but your own blessing doesn't come with a heart that is right. It doesn't come with a conscience that is right. But when God blesses you, there is a confidence, there is an ease, there is a peace. There is a mindset that is totally different. He said, God, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And here's what happened. God responded to him in Genesis 33, verse 28. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. In other words, he said, you're no longer going to be called a supplanter, a thief, a conniver, you're not only, you're not no longer going to have a prophetic word over your life that is pushing you to a life of pain, but now you're going to be called Israel, which means prince with God. And so Jabez called on the God of Israel. God, if you did it for him. Don't, don't be jealous, by the way, if God does it for somebody else. Never, ever get jealous of somebody else's blessing. Anytime you see God blessing somebody else, that ought to get you excited because the same God that has done it for them also wants to do it for you. And he was saying, God, you know what? If you can bless Jacob like that, if you can turn him from a supplanter, from a thief, from a conniver to a prince, God, if I come to you, if I call on the God of Israel, you can turn my life from a life of pain into a life of promise. God, you are the one who turns all things around. God, you can touch my hurt and you can heal my hurt. God, you can take my mess, you can make it into a miracle. You can take my sin, Lord, and you can cover it in the shed blood of Jesus. God, you can turn any situation around. Anybody whose life turns on a prayer knows that a blessed life begins with God. That's where you go to get your blessing, not any other place. That's the kind of, God, I want blessing your way. God, God, I want, I want victory your way. God, I want increase your way. God, I want happiness your way. God, I want joy your way. When we go to God and we say we are committed not to the blessing in any way, but to the blessing your way, to the way that you give it, that's how your life begins to turn in the other direction. Number two, second gem from Jabez. People who see their life turn on a prayer understand that a blessed life is the life that God has designed for us. That God has designed for us. Not that we have mapped out for ourselves, but the one that God has designed for us. First Chronicles chapter four, verse 10, second part says, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Nowadays we lose the power of this prayer of blessing because we don't really understand what a blessing is. We use the word blessing to describe everything that we want from God. God bless me with a house. 
God bless me with a car. God bless me with a spouse. God bless me with a big salary. God bless me with a lot of money. God bless me to win the billions in the lottery so I can give the church the $5.2 million that they believe. We, we, we are always asking God to give us stuff, right? Give us stuff. By the way, God doesn't give you something if you promise to do something that you're not doing now. God, if you do this, then I'll do this. That's not, see, we don't get to set up the if then with God. Did you ever notice that? That we like to set up the if then with God. God, if you do this, then I'll do this. No, no. God sets up the if then. God is the one that says, if you do this, then I'll do this. In other words, obedience to his command is the prerequisite for the blessing of God in your life. You don't get to tell God, God, if you perform, then I'll obey. No, if you obey, then God will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There won't be room enough to you for you to receive. And so we think that the word blessing means all of this stuff. But in Bible times... When somebody asked for a blessing, they were seeking the declaration of somebody in authority over their life. And so when Jacob and Esau fought over the blessing of their father, they fought over the father literally laying his hands on them and declaring what he wanted to see happen in their lives. The blessing was something that when somebody in authority placed it on you, it was considered to be a prophetic path to your future. It was considered something that would be irrevocable. And so notice the genius of Jabez. He goes to God and he says, oh, that you would bless me and bless me indeed that I might not cause pain. Remember his whole life, he is living underneath the declaration of a future that is cursed. He is living underneath the words of his mother, his father, everybody who knew him, that he is going to be a causer of pain. And so he goes to God, who is not just a authority, but God who is the king of kings, the lord of lords, the highest authority in all the world and he says God you can reverse the prophetic path that has been placed over my life if you will declare your intentions over my life God I want you to begin to speak over my life I want you to begin to say what my portion is I want you to begin to declare what my future is I want you to begin to declare how my life will go where I'll go how I'll end up the connections I have the open doors that I'll walk through the protection on my life God you speak those things because God if you speak those things if you declare a thing if you release the word from your mouth your word always accomplishes that which you please God it prospers in the thing that you send it to God you watch over your word waiting to perform it God if you speak a word over my life no devil in hell no demon in hell no assignment in hell can stop your word from coming to pass in my life he was going to God. God, I need, I need you to declare what you said over my life. Speak it over my life. Everybody who sees their life go in the blessed direction understands that the blessed life is the life that God wants for us. And by the way, the scripture gives us really only a couple ways to attract the blessing of God. Do you ever notice that? Only a couple ways to attract the blessing. Prayer is one of them. 
But also, honor is another way. Honor attracts the blessing of God. Did you ever notice that in your scripture, in your Bible? Do you know what uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10 says? Everybody knows that, right? That's the dreaded Bible tithe verse. But it's not. It should be the celebrated honor verse in the scripture. Do you know that a tithe has nothing to do with money and everything to do with honor? Let me, let me say it again. The tithe doesn't have anything to do with money. It has everything to do with honor. How do I know this? Well, if you, how many of you know you cannot lift the scripture out of context and get the full meaning? And too often what happens with any particular verse in the Bible is we lift it out of its context and we miss the greater message. So if you go back to the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter one, listen to how it begins in verse number six. It says, a son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? Now why is God asking this question in the book of Malachi? Because the Jewish people have gone so far from God that what they were giving God in tithes and offerings and, 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 and sacrifices were left over things. Look how quiet I got in here. And it's, it's, it's like a, quiet like a church mouse right now. They were saying, God, you see this, this lamb? Literally, if you read the whole context, that has one eye, we're going to give you that one because we can't use that lamb. God, you see, we, we, we need all these over here so we can sell and we can gain and we can live life. But you know what, God, this is how much this costs. And at the end of the day, I got this much left over. And so because I don't need this, God, here you go. And so here's what God comes on the scene. He says, he says, if I am a father, if I am a king, if I am the master of your life, where is my honor? By putting me second, by leaving me, giving me leftovers, what you are doing is you are treating me disrespectfully. But then he goes on to say, after he talks to them for a chapter and a half, in Malachi chapter 3, he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, the local church, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a what? Such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. What does that mean? It doesn't mean money from heaven. I wish it did. I could have 100% tithers. People would be like, Pastor, I, I know it's Monday. I can't wait till Monday. I need some money to fall out of the sky right now. I just thought I'd bring a little extra tithe because I need heaven to open. I need them dollar bills to be rained down on me. That's not what it means. The word blessing, what does it mean? God's prophetic declaration over your life. See, that's better than money. I wish you understood how much better that was. I wish you understood the power and the authority of the spoken declaration of God 
over your life. I wish you understood what kind of protection that brings on your life. I wish you understood what kind of direction that brings on your life. I wish you understood what that does to your authority, what that does to your power, what that does to your ability to do whatever it is that you're doing. It goes to a supernatural level. And not just because God does it, but because you understand what is happening when God does it. When you understand the blessing of God comes as you honor God. Prayer, it comes through prayer, it comes through honor, that it sticks on you and it makes paths for you in life that you cannot create yourself. It opens doors for you in life that you cannot open for yourself. And so anybody whose life is going to turn in the right direction, turned on a prayer, it's going to be somebody who walks in honor. God, I honor you. God, I respect you. And this is why it is so important to honor the authorities that God has set up even here on the earth because it is training for honoring God. And the problem with our society is we are honorless. And we are becoming more and more honorless. We're losing the value of honor. And it's not just so we can be independent. The reason why we are losing the value of honor is because the enemy, this is good right here, is trying to steal our blessing from us. Because the enemy knows that if God pronounces his blessing, if he declares over you his intentions for your life, that he cannot stop the plan that God has for your life. And so he knows that the simple way to do that is to pull honor from you. Because if you won't honor people who you can see, then you certainly will not honor God who you cannot see. I would just hit the rewind on that and listen to it over and over and over again. Jacob says, God, that you would bless me and that you would bless me indeed. Now, this is how genius Jabez's prayer is. Because God is not only the king of kings and lord of lords, highest ranking authority in all the earth. God is father. Now, the reason why that ought to just get you so excited is because you need to understand a father-son, father-child relationship. By the way, you're not God's adults. You're God's children. No matter how old you get, you're God's children. I'm experiencing this now, right? I'm empty nesting right now. I hate it, by the way. Y'all need to pray for me. I don't like a quiet house. I mean, I love my wife, and I love being with just my wife and connecting with my wife and all of that kind of stuff. But I like I like to have the kids around. I, I just I just enjoy that. So I'm 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 processing all of that that silence. I'm processing the neatness of the house. I'm processing the closed doors. I'm processing the lights not being on. I'm processing you know, all the food being in the fridge and not having to buy as I'm processing all that right now. I mean, I know there are benefits, but I'm processing. But if you understand father-child relationship, this prayer is genius. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Ask a kid what they want for their life. It might be a big dream. It might be something fantastic. It might be wonderful. Then go ask a loving parent what they want for that child's life. What the child wanted for their life does not compare to what the parent 
wants for their life. Because there is no loving parent. Some of us cannot comprehend this because our environment was not such that we we grew up in an environment with loving parents. And so it's hard for us to understand how much God wants to bless our life. How much God's intention, God's plan for our life is so much greater than our plan for our life. But if you ask any loving parent what they want for their child's life, it is far and away better than what that child wants for their life. Every loving parent wants their child to have more, do more, experience more, have more happiness, more joy, more love, more peace, more wealth, more blessing than they could ever imagine. So Jabez goes to God. He says, Father, that you would bless me. That you would begin to declare your intention. I mean, if you'll just ever get in the presence of God and just stay silent for a moment and just absorb the blessing of God over your life and just hear with spiritual ears what God is declaring over you. The Bible says he rejoices over you with singing. Every time a promise is written in the word of God, it is God declaring his blessing. It is God declaring his intention. It is God declaring his will over your life. It will shock you as to what your father wants to see happen in your life. It will blow away your dreams. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. If you'll just hear from the Spirit what God the Father has for you, it'll call, it'll break you. It'll say, I didn't know that you were that good, God. I didn't know that people don't talk like that about you. God, you're better than anybody ever declared you were. God, your blessings are greater than I ever thought they were. They were. I haven't even scratched the surface of what you want from me. God, help my faith to be in alignment with what you as a father wants for my life. Jabez said, God, that you would bless me and bless me indeed. When your prayer understands that it is the life that God has designed for you that is the blessed life, it'll change your life. Your life will change on a prayer. But notice now this, people's life turns on a prayer, understand that his provision is good, but his presence is better. I'm going to say it again, because people need to hear it again. His provision is good, his presence is better. Foreign to us. Foreign to us. And you've heard me use this joke before, but I'll say it again. We're like Jimmy. We go to God, I'll take all you give me. We only sometimes want what God can give us. We don't necessarily long for his presence. Because we don't understand that his provision is good, but his presence is better. Watch this, watch this. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. And enlarge my territory that your hand would be on me. Now, this is a two-part of the prayer. The first part, enlarge my territory. Give me more influence. Put me in a position where instead of being influenced, I can influence. Instead of being told what I can't do, put me in a position so that I can encourage others about what they can do. God, enlarge my territory. Now that you have spoken your will over my life, give me a platform to execute your will. I love the progression of this prayer. This prayer. God, you first. God, your will for my life second. Then provision for me. But not just for me, but for me so that I can do your will, God. So the first part of the prayer is a prayer about provision. 
And, and this is wonderful because, make no mistake about it, God wants to provide for us. How so? According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This, that's powerful. God wants to provide for us according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The ability of somebody to provide is directly proportional to what they possess. The ability for somebody to provide is directly proportional to the supply that they have. In other words, even if somebody wants to do really huge things, if they only have a very small supply, their ability to do this is limited by this. But notice what the scripture says when it talks about God's provision. It says that God is able to do not only exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, but God wants to meet our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many of you know that is unlimited? That is without limitation in any way. So God wants to provide. God wants to bless us with abundance and overflow. God is a more than enough God so that we can be generous on every occasion. He wants our provision to be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He delights in the prosperity of his servant. He wants us blessed coming and going. He wants us blessed in the city and in the field. Prosperity is our portion. It's okay to ask God to enlarge your territory because it's in the Bible by the way the Bible is the guide not your opinion not my opinion not what you think not what I think the word of God is the, the guide and so his provision is good but his presence is even better And I really like the second part of this prayer because it's about God's presence. It's about God. I I not only want your provision, but I need your hand. God, matter of fact, Jabez is almost saying, God, I don't want your provision without your presence. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that provision without presence equals problems. That's what I've learned. Provision without presence equals problems. You say, what do you mean, pastor? Well, ask the prodigal how it went. When he went to his father and he said, give me your provision, but I don't want your presence in my life. Ask him how it felt when he spent everything that he had and he was in the pig pen. Ask him how it felt when he had no more food. Ask him how it felt when nobody would help him. Why? Because all he wanted was provision without presence. And God forgive us for ever being Christians who want the provision of God without the presence of God because the provision of God without the presence of God will jack you up every single time. Say, what do you mean, pastor? It'll cause you to stray. It'll cause you to rely on you. It'll cause you to get to a point where you think you are self-sufficient. You say, what do you mean? Well, think about the warning of Scripture. The warning of Scripture to Israel is when they go into the promised land and God blesses them with houses that they haven't built. And he blesses them with gold and silver and all those wonderful things. He said, don't you dare forget. But remember, it is the Lord your God who has given you the power 
power to get wealth. What was he saying? There is a danger in provision without presence. And the danger is it'll pull you aside. The danger is it'll cause you to drift from God. And so people whose lives turns on a prayer understand that they don't just need the provision of God, but they also need the hand of God and the protection of God on their life. God, I need your hand as you're enlarging my territory. I need your hand to keep me. I need your hand to lead me. I need your hand to guide me. I need your hand to anoint me. I I need your hand to uphold me. I need your hand to lift me. I need your hand to protect me. I need your hand to help me. I don't just need a house. I don't just need a car. I don't just need a vacation. I don't just need a bank account. I need the hand that holds the universe together on me as you're blessing me with your provision. I need your presence. I need both in my life. Last gem from Jabez. People who see their life change on a prayer understand the need to be protected by God. Understand the need to be protected by God. Notice what Jesus says. First Chronicles chapter 4 verse 10 that you would keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. There are two ways to read this prayer. And both ways would have legitimate theological implications. You know, sometimes there's two ways to interpret something. One's wrong, the other's right. One's wrong, the other's right. For instance, you can't say there are two ways to interpret who Jesus is as you read the Bible. One is that he was a good prophet. One is that God manifests in the flesh. Those are two ways to interpret, but one is wrong, one is right. In this case, there are two ways to interpret this part of Jabez's prayer, and both of them have theological merit in them. The first way is that Jabez was asking God to protect him from the evil that comes from the enemy. That is, God, that is, he is asking God to protect him from the schemes of Satan, to protect him from the plan of the enemy. And that is a protection that we need, especially if our life is blessed or being lived out for God's purposes, because the blessed life is a targeted life. You heard it said before this way, new level, new devil. The blessed life is a targeted life. And the reason why the blessed life is a targeted life is because the more blessed you are, the more God expands your territory, expands your influence, the greater damage that you can do if your life doesn't have the hand of God on it. And so the enemy comes to those who have a God kind of life, a blessed in God kind of life. It is a targeted life. But I have learned, and it's been my experience, that if we live for God, God will take everything that the enemy throws our way and turn it around for his good. That like Joseph, if we get sold into slavery, we'll wind up in Potiphar's house. That like Joseph, if we get sent to prison, it will be a path to the palace. That if we live Live the Christian life. Anything that the enemy throws our way, God will turn around for good because that's who God is. I am even persuaded in this moment that anything the enemy has designed, God will take it and he will use it for our destiny. So we need the protection of God from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
one of the interpretations protect us from the evil that comes. The other interpretation that you would keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain, is protect me from the evil that I cause. You see, when you have a blessed life, and I just mentioned it quick, but let me come back to it. When you have a blessed life, the life that God has designed for you, when God is enlarging your territory, what happens is you become that target. Why? Because the hurt that could come through you is massive. And so this is why dads and moms are targeted. Because what happens to a dad and mom can influence the next generation because they have levels of authority. This is why teachers are targeted because they have levels of influence and authority. This is why pastors are targeted. Why? Because they have levels of influence and authority. And so what happens is there is not just evil that comes, but if you're not careful, there can be evil that you cause. And we are not vulnerable on our way up the ladder. We are vulnerable when we get to the top of the ladder. Remember David? David wasn't vulnerable when he was tending sheep. David wasn't even vulnerable when he went out to face Goliath. You know when David got vulnerable? David got vulnerable when he became king. All of a sudden he has the entire kingdom underneath his authority and that's when temptation came and revved havoc in his life. Why? Because now there could be evil that he causes by temptation that he doesn't overcome. And so he needed to pray a little different kind of prayer. Remember Elijah Elijah wasn't susceptible until after he called down fire from heaven. That's when he was vulnerable. That's when he ran in the back of a cave and hid. Why? Because he was now on top of the mountain. He was now at a place of even greater influence than he had before. Remember Samson. Enough said. God, don't just protect me from the evil that comes, but protect me from the evil that I cause. God, as you give me this responsibility, as you bless my life, as my life goes from here to where you have it, God, I want to have such a dependence upon you that I know, God, that I am listening to you, that I am obeying you, that I am uh, uh, praying to you, that I am keeping my connection and my dependence with you. New New devil, new New, uh, new level, new devil, but new, new level, new dimension of prayer. New level, new dimension of obedience. New level, new dimension of giving. New level, new dimension of honor. New level, new dimension of how you use your words. New level, new responsibility. Jabez went to God. He understand what he was praying. God, we're going to get to a place after this prayer where my life was going in a different direction. And God, I know that, 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 that I was destined to cause pain in the position that I was in. But God, I'm going to a whole new place. And as I go to a whole new place, my ability to influence negatively goes through the roof. And so God, I need you to protect me. Not just from the pain and evil that comes, but from the pain and evil that I can cause. And look at the conclusion of the prayer. This is my favorite part. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. God granted him what he 
requested. This is amazing. Most historians feel that Jabez became an extremely influential and powerful lawyer, that many people followed after him and learned from him. In fact, Ezra mentions a city that was named after Jabez. Go look it up. You don't get a city named after you if you're not successful. His entire life went into the opposite direction. God changed his life with a prayer. His life was changed on a prayer, and so can yours. Your life can change if you pray. Your health can turn on a prayer. Your finances can turn on a prayer. Your marriage can turn on a prayer. Your kids can turn on a a prayer. Your dreams can turn on a prayer. Your influence can turn on a prayer. Your freedom from addiction can turn on a prayer prayer. Your passion for God can turn on a prayer. Your commitment to God's purposes can turn on a prayer. Your past can turn on a prayer. Your pain can turn on a prayer. Your destiny can turn on a prayer. The dreams and the purpose and your entire life can turn on a prayer. He called on the God of Israel. God, that you would bless me. And that you would bless me indeed. By the way, don't, don't be afraid to put indeed in your prayer. You know what that means? Bless me good. God, I don't want some little, little pea-sized blessing. God, I don't want some small little blessing. I don't want some blessing that's just going to take care of me. God, bless me indeed. Bless me big time. Bless me. with Put some whipped cream on that. Put a cherry on that. Put some hot sauce on there. God, God, give me a good blessing. God, bless me good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Running over. Don't just bless me a little. God, this prayer is not about you just changing my life. But this prayer is about me being a life changer. God, bless me indeed. Oh, that you would bless me and bless me indeed and enlarge my territory so that I might not cause, that your hand would be on me, that I might not cause evil. His life turned on a prayer. How many of you know your life can turn on a prayer? You're one prayer away. That's the power of prayer. Would you stand to your feet with me? We're good. Let's pray. As I've been doing this series, I hope the same thing has been happening for you. Have you been pressing into God in prayer? my, My desire, the outcome that I would like to see is that we become better prayers. Not more proficient necessarily, but, but more, um, intentional about praying. That prayer becomes a priority in our life. So much of what we experience in life is simply because we haven't prayed. And so much of what God wants to do gets released in our life when we do pray. Matter of fact, prayer is such a vehicle of a changed life and a turnaround life that it is the mechanism by which we give our life to Jesus Christ. We come to Him by faith in prayer. And we call out to him. We say, Lord Jesus, we're a sinner. And if we were to die in this condition, we would spend eternity apart from you. But today, I call on you to save my soul, to forgive my sins, to wash them clean, 
so that I can be made right with you and receive eternal life. I believe that you are Lord and Savior. Not just a man, but God who became a man so that you could pay the price for my sin. I believe that you were resurrected from the dead. And as I put my faith in you, I receive the free gift of salvation. That prayer changes everything. To that extent, most people that are in this room, your life has been changed by a prayer. But maybe you're here and maybe your life has not been changed by that prayer. Maybe you have never prayed that prayer, but today you want to surrender your life to Jesus and you want to get right with God. And you came in here and you said, Pastor, I came, somebody invited me. I came because I felt like I need God, but I've never surrendered my life to God, but today I want to. If that's you and today you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and receive him as your personal savior, would you just shoot your hand up? I want to pray a prayer over you. Pastor, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't know if I'm right with him, but today I want to surrender my life to him. Amen, amen. For the benefit of those that might be watching on the other side of that camera, thank God for cameras. We reach, I don't know, millions more through that camera, and we're grateful for that. Maybe you're watching, and maybe you need Jesus to save your soul. If that's you and the Spirit of God is ministering to your heart, I want to pray with you. Can we all help these folks out and pray together right now? Would you say this out loud with me, especially if you're watching on the other side of that camera? Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I ask you to forgive me as I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I receive him as my Lord and Savior, and I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you prayed that prayer, there's a prayer partner on the opposite side of that camera waiting for you to respond. Either type the word Jesus or put some praying hands up and they'll reach out to you. God bless all of you. We'll see you again next week. Have a great rest of the weekend.